0: The time is now 6 o'clock. Welcome to WORT's local news for Monday, October 2nd, 2023. I'm your host, Rachel Fields.
1: And I'm your host, Sam
0: Swartz. and tonight's news... Tomorrow, city officials may join the nationwide call for nuclear disarmament, but how much influence do they really have?
1: Yesterday, a Ride for Your Life rally met in Brittingham Park to advocate for better bike safety laws...
0: In September, Madison saw numerous Independence Day celebrations as part of Hispanic Heritage Month.
1: This Thursday is the anniversary of the Battle of Burbank.
0: All these and more on tonight's news.
1: This is Sam Swartz and Rachel Fields with your local news, coming to you live from the WORTU studios in beautiful downtown Madison.
0: The Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction announced today that it has been awarded a grant by the federal government for $58 million. The grant is meant to support Wisconsin charter schools, both by funding new and expanded schools, as well as finishing projects at current charter schools that were partially funded in the last round of grants. This is the seventh federal grant for Wisconsin charter schools. Currently, there are more than 200 active charter schools in Wisconsin, and they serve nearly 50,000 students. Subgrant applications will be posted on the Department of Public Instruction's website and will be awarded by June of next year.
1: Wisconsin's Senate Committee on Financial Institutions and Sporting Heritage voted on Thursday not to appoint four of Governor Evers' nominees for the Natural Resources Board, the Natural Resources Board has been a bone of contention between the executive and legislative branches after Republican-appointed board member Frederick Prayan refused to step down back in 2021, provoking an extended legal battle. Now the Senate committee has voted to reject four out of the governor's five appointees to the board on partisan lines, reports the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. The Republicans say that they object to the appointees' opinions about how the Department of Natural Resources handles Wisconsin's wolf population, but Democrats claim the vote is purely partisan obstruction. The appointees next next head to the Republican-controlled Senate for final approval.
0: Former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice David Prosser downplayed the importance of his meetings with Assembly Speaker Robin Voss during a legal hearing last Friday. Crosser claimed that the secret meeting between Voss and three former conservative Supreme Court justices amounted to nothing more than lunch, reports the Capital Times. The lawsuit to make the meeting public is being delayed until mid-October to meet a technicality that requires 20 days to pass without the district attorney taking up the issue before a civil suit can proceed. Speaker Voss asked the panel of former Supreme Court justices to meet to provide him with advice on how to proceed with impeaching current Supreme Court Justice Janet Protosewitz, but the exact nature and membership of the panel remains unknown.
1: Wisconsin Attorney General Josh Call announced last week that his office has filed two briefs asking the Dane County Circuit Court to enter its final judgment regarding the controversial 19th century Wisconsin law that addresses abortion in the state. The circuit court had preliminarily ruled in July that the statute does not criminalize abortion and Attorney General Call is asking the court to affirm that ruling without further oral arguments. The circuit court's decision is likely to be contested and an appeal is likely to make its way to the Supreme Court. Call is asking that the process be expedited so that Wisconsinites can receive clarity on the legality of abortion in the state.
0: Dane County Executive Joe Parisi introduced his proposed budget for 2024 in an announcement earlier today. The new budget allocates the more than $900 million the county government is planning to spend over the course of the next year. The largest single item in the new budget is a $36 million project to construct a new 911 call center at the county's East District campus. Other big-ticket projects include an expansion of the Henry Vile Zoo, a Ho-Chunk History Center, and a continuation of the county's flood risk reduction project. The budget next heads to the Dane County Board of Supervisors for review and amendment, with final passage slated for early November.
1: The Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources released their 2023 Air Quality Trends Report in an announcement earlier today. The monitoring data shows that the statewide levels of ozone concentration have decreased by 21% since the early 2000s, bringing the entire state into compliance with standards set back in 2008. However, the gains in air quality have stagnated in recent years, especially in the categories of ozone and fine particulates, and some counties on Wisconsin's Lake Michigan coast do not meet the more stringent, stringent ozone standards set in 2015.
0: The consulting firm hired by the Madison Metropolitan School District to help with the district's search for a new superintendent is holding public input sessions this week, Monday through Wednesday, at various locations across the city, reports the Wisconsin State Journal. The sessions are meant to help the firm create a leadership profile and job posting for the vacant position, currently held by an interim superintendent following the departure of Carlton Jenkins earlier this year. The district faces a somewhat uncertain future with a persistent racial achievement gap and thorny budget issues due to state restrictions on tax increases. Community members who wish to provide feedback are invited to meetings at 6 p.m. tomorrow at La Follette High School and 6 p.m. Wednesday at Ville- Bell Phillips Memorial High School.
1: Wisconsin state government is moving ahead with plans to sell three buildings in Madison's downtown with several developers already expressing interest for the plots, reports the Wisconsin State Journal. The three parcels, which are along Webster Street and Wilson Street near the Capitol Square, were valued at $98 million in 2021. The buildings currently on the parcels are in the process of being vacated, which could take as long as four years, but once they are, the state will move forward with the sale of the land. The sites are prime locations for redevelopment, possibly into housing or mixed-use projects, according to the president of Downtown Madison Incorporated, a local business advocacy group. The move comes as the state government looks to lessen its real estate footprint in Madison, partially in response to the increased demand for remote work opportunities for its employees.
0: Students in the Madison Metropolitan School District amass nearly a quarter of a million dollars in debt through unpaid meals, reports the Capital Times. The new height of meal debt comes after the federal government ended its program to fully fund free school meals during the first years of the COVID pandemic. Now, school administrators say it's a struggle to get families to apply to the new program for federal aid, in part because parents got used to the automatic enrollment during COVID. Students can always receive a meal at school regardless of negative account balance.
1: And those were your local headlines. We turn now to two special guests joining us this evening. Helena White and Gil Halstead are in the studio, and they want to tell you a little something about WORT and our pledge drive.
2: What we'd like to tell you is that it's the best station around, and you're listening to the best evening local news you can find anywhere on your radio or online. And one of the reasons that it is uh, that best I just described is that it's supported by the community. That's you. And we need to hear from you in this fall fundraiser that we're involved in right now. And we, you can get in touch with us at 608-256-2001. We'd like you to make that call now. Or you can go online, wortfm.org, and make your donation right there online. It's really easy to do. But we'd love to hear from you in person as well.
3: Uh, We know that you appreciate independent news. You're listening to local news on WARD right now because you appreciate the fact that we're bringing you news about Madison, and we don't have any corporate sponsors. We don't stop for commercial breaks or anything like that. We know that um, this is the way that you like to have the news done. It used to be just half an hour, and now it's a whole hour because we know that you want to learn more about the world around you and you want to learn more about your community. And you support WORT by listening to us. You can also support us by making a donation at 608-256-2001 or go to wortfm.org.
2: We'd like to get over kind of the news blues I feel like we've been into for this part of uh, this day anyway in our fund drive. Uh, So I would like to offer right now to match any uh, pledges or any donations that come in up to $60 uh, throughout this full hour. Um, And I will match those. And we would love to hear from a, a new donor who's never contributed before, and would actually also like to become a monthly donor. And Helena, you can tell them what's involved in becoming a monthly donor.
3: Yes, I'd be happy to. So you can give us a call at 608-256-2001. Speak to our phone answerers, Lily or Adrian. And um, just tell them that you're interested in donating on a monthly basis, a minimum of $5. It'll come from your checking account or... Hmm. Uh, bank account, and you don't need to give any of that banking information to the phone answerer. They're going to send a form to you. A, a form will come to you from WRT, and that's where you where you'll be able to put your private information. But just let the phone answer phone answerer know if you want to donate five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen, thirty. There's no upper limit <laughs> on how much <laughs> you can donate each month. And it's quite painless. I do it myself and I don't even notice that it's you know, it's like it's forty dollars a month. Like that that I can afford. Maybe you can afford five, maybe you can afford ten, but whatever you choose to do, the amount that you decide to donate on a monthly basis will be matched by Gil. Um, like if you're saying ten dollars a month then he'll match he'll he'll donate ten dollars to the station. Right. So that's wonderful. Thank you, Gil. We really appreciate that.
2: Let's hear those phones start ringing right now at 608-256-2001 or online, wrtfm.org. And when you do call... uh, Tell them that you heard about this match and you want to double your money.
3: And we don't want to leave any money on the table. Right. So, you know, maybe somebody wants to get uh, the embroidered uh, patch at the $35 level, and then Gil would mm-hmm. donate $35 as well as you. So please give us a call at 608-256-2001 or go to wortfm.org to take advantage of this great offer. Thanks
0: very much, and back to local news.
1: Helena, Gill, and you, the listener, thanks so much. And now back to the news.
0: Madison may soon join the nationwide Back from the Brink Coalition. Members across the country on the municipal, county, and state level have all passed resolutions looking to prevent nuclear war. WORT News producer Faye Parks has the report on Madison's proposed nuclear war prevention resolution before the council tomorrow.
4: The proposal has five main points, all in an effort to prevent nuclear war. If the resolution is passed, Madison will join a nationwide coalition with more than 70 members. Long term, the resolution calls for the federal government to pursue complete, verified nuclear disarmament across all nations. Dr. Paula Raggi is a board member with Physicians for Social Responsibility Wisconsin, an organization that mobilizes physicians on public health issues. She says she is optimistic about the coalition's influence pointing out that similar, grassroots efforts may have persuaded former President Ronald Reagan to meet with Gorbachev in the 1980s. Two people meeting, you know, for a day in Iceland brought us very close to complete nuclear disarmament. We can do it again, but we have to pressure our leaders and Russian leaders to sit down and talk. The other four actions in the resolution focus on what can be done to prevent nuclear war even before any disarmament talks would take place. One action demands a formal pledge from the federal government that the United States will not launch nuclear weapons before any other nation. Another action demands that the Pentagon cancel a 20-year plan to modernize their current nuclear arsenal. In terms of a potential launch, one action states that no nuclear weapons should be prepared for use at a moment's notice. And another says that the president should not have the sole authority to pull the trigger. On a local level, the resolution would have Madison divest from any companies that produce or support the production of nuclear weapons. Andrew Kidd, a professor in the University of Wisconsin-Madison's Department of Political Science, has written extensively on nuclear weapons and international politics. He says that the resolution's language about financial divestment is vague and makes no reference to current city contractors actually involved in nuclear weapons manufacturing that would be removed from Madison's payroll. He also says that no American city has any say in federal nuclear policy. It
5: just strikes me as somewhat impractical, but it's not necessary. I'm just somewhat skeptical about these city forays into nuclear weapons
4: issues. According to Kidd, even if this coalition successfully influences federal officials in the United States, it's unlikely that other nations will agree to any disarmament plans in the future.
5: The Chinese are building up their nuclear weapons right now, so I just don't think we're going to get the Chinese on board with any agreements.
4: However, he says that a pledge to refrain from using nuclear weapons before any other world power could have a more practical impact than the resolution's other actions.
5: There's arguments to be made in favor of it, which is that it makes nuclear weapons that much less likely to be
1: used.
4: Of the three major nuclear powers, only China has a no-first-use pledge in place a policy they enacted in the 1960s. Russia reserves the right to use nuclear weapons in self-defense, even if the threat of nuclear weapons isn't on the table. Here in the United States, the Biden administration does not have a no-first-use policy. Instead, they have a sole-purpose policy that states nuclear weapons would only be used as a deterrent to other nuclear powers and never against non-nuclear powers. Dr. Raggi says that Physicians for Social Responsibility Wisconsin has serious concerns about the public health effects of nuclear warfare. Especially now with the armed conflict in Ukraine, the risk of nuclear weapon use has gone up. And so really, this is an urgent issue. Climate change is urgent too, but, you know, nuclear war is climate change overnight. Tomorrow's council meeting starts at 6.30 p.m., in person, at the municipal building, and virtually. Reporting for WORT News, I'm Faye Parks.
1: Yesterday, more than 600 people gathered at Brittingham Park to advocate for better bicycle safety laws. The group took a five-mile protest ride and ended up at the state capitol to demand action to protest cyclists. It's called Ride for Your Life, which is an organization for better safety laws for cyclists and pedestrians alike. WORT reporter Charlie Belosky has more.
6: Ride for Your Life was started after Sarah Debenk-Legenkamp was killed last year in Washington, D.C. after being crushed by a flatbed truck while biking home. The first Ride for Your Life happened last fall in Washington, D.C., where more than a thousand cyclists rallied for safer streets. Alicia Bosher is based in Madison and Sarah Legenkamp's sister. She organized yesterday's rally in Madison and says the final count of cyclists numbered in the hundreds. We
7: were hoping for at least 200, and then when we got that, we thought, wow, 500 would be awesome. Um, so I think our, our final count was somewhere around 630.
6: Meanwhile, efforts to make roads safer for cyclists and pedestrians are underway in Congress. The Sarah debink Camp Active Transportation Safety Act was introduced in the spring. It seeks to make roadways safer by connecting bike trails so that cyclists and pedestrians can avoid dangerous roadways. Boscher says the effort is trying to get cyclists and pedestrian safety back in front of lawmakers.
7: One of the main things that it would do is it would give money that's already kind of allotted for these projects, but it would make it easier for states and local governments to access that money. And one of the main ways that that money needs to be used is to connect trails and paths, bike paths that already exist.
6: While the legislation has been introduced, it still needs a sponsor in the U.S. Senate. Kirsten Finn is the executive director of the Wisconsin Bike Federation, one of the sponsors of yesterday's protest ride. She says they're encouraging Senator Ron Johnson to propose the legislation in the Senate so it can move forward. She adds that it used to be that Wisconsin used to mandate all roads built or improved upon with federal dollars had to take all users of the road into consideration that there's adequate facilities for walkers and bikers and people taking public transit, as well as just the convenience of cars. That mandate was repealed in 2017.
7: Wisconsin was one of the first states to have a complete streets policy. And a complete streets policy means that any time a road is built or improved with federal dollars, that facilities for all users of the road are taken into consideration. Unfortunately, we are the first and only state to have repealed that mandate. So we have a complete streets policy on the books, but uh, it has been watered down so that now the DOT can elect to put in facilities for um, pedestrians and cyclists, but they are not required to.
6: State Representative Lee Snodgrass, a Democrat from Appleton, is at work on a bill that would reinstate the mandate. Bosher says that the mandate would make local governments think more about cyclists and pedestrians.
7: And that was one of our messages yesterday, is let's get this back. And and Representative Snodgrass has been trying, but it hasn't happened
6: yet. In 2021, the most recent year data is available, 966 people were killed while biking, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. That's the highest yearly number of people killed while biking in more than four decades. And for those who have lost someone while on the road, change can't come soon enough.
7: It was incredibly um, heartwarming and awesome to see the turnout yesterday. Um, that like I expected, like this community has people who are willing to come out and let their voices be heard that they care about this too. And that was really, really awesome, um, for my family and our grieving process. And, and, and I hope also for the community to see that.
6: Reporting for WORT News, I'm Charlie Biloski.
0: Each year between September 15th and October 15th, the Hispanic Heritage Month is celebrated in the United States. Many Spanish-American countries commemorate their Independence Days during this time. Two weekends ago, many Independence Day celebrations took place all over Madison, and WORT news reporter Diego Alegria attended too and has the rundown on the events.
8: The independence days of Mexico and Chile do not coincide with the dates where both nations became officially independent from Spain in 1821 and 1818, respectively. Mexico chose to celebrate on September 16th, as it marks the beginning of the independence process. That's the day when, in 1810, Father Miguel Hidalgo y Costilla... Encouraged his congregation at the Dolores Parish Church in Mexico to revolt against the peninsulares, the European born Spaniards. This speech has been known as Grito de Dolores, or Cry of Dolores. At the Viva Mexico Festival at Bree Stevens Fields on Sunday, September 17, that cry, or grito, was heard again, this time led by Ambassador Claudia Franco Hijuelos. Consul of Mexico in Milwaukee.
9: Mexicanos! Mexicanas!
8: Mexicans! Mexicans! Long live the heroes Viva. who gave us homeland and freedom. Viva live! Viva. Long live Viva Hidalgo! Morelos. Live! Viva. Long live Morelos! Viva live! Ortiz de Viva. Long live Jose Ortiz de Dominguez! Live! Viva. Long live freedom! Viva live! Long live national independence. Live. Long live Mexico. Live. Long live Mexico. Live. Long live Mexico. Live. Mexico. Live. The festival offered traditional Mexican food and beverages from the restaurant La Rosita, Mexican store from Monona and San Prairie, and the food truck La Nueva Paradise Island from Madison, among other food venues. When I arrived, Sergio was just setting up the stand for La Rosita. Enthusiastic, he invited everyone to enjoy the flavors of Mexican food. Ready to serve to all the, the people, people who, who us have, have and to will join us, so that we can serve tacos, tacos or, or typical to snacks. To Mexican, Mexican, and Mexican and Latin American, American, and American why not? Why not? After talking with Sergio, he gave me three delicious roast beef tacos with chopped onion, fresh cilantro, and lime on the side. Ariseli from La Nueva Paradise Island showed me Mexican snacks and beverages that can be hard to find in Madison. Well, the speciality of the casa is piña colada. colada. Eh, We have yogurt, strawberries with creams, mangonadas, mangonadas, ah, prepared pork rins, fruit cocktail, cantaritos cantaritos queritanos, which is a cocktail that has chamoy, tajín, lemon juice, (laughs) and the secret recipe. One of her co workers prepared a piña colada for me, a fresh, sweet, and colorful drink an excellent choice for a warm day at the stadium. Guerrero's Boots, a clothing Mexican and Western wear store, even brought Mexican soccer shirts from famous league teams such as Tigres and Club América. Jesús, an employee of Guerrero's Boots, stressed the quality of its handmade products. Well, here we are selling flags for cars, chests, handmade things, keychains, wallets. Everything we have is from Mexico, representing here everything that is made there and by hand. We have varieties of hats, jeans, boots, belts, t-shirts. Everything you need to be a cowboy, you can find it here. And well-known brands. The festival wasn't only about food and clothing, but also about services offered by the Mexican consulate and by nonprofit organizations such as Centro Hispano and Latino Academy. Their approach to the public was friendly and playful. In one of the stands, there was a giant wheel with rolling questions, among other activities. This was the first time I met Gerson, an instructor of Latino Academy from Puerto Rico, who instantly became my friend. This organization provides linguistically and culturally competent adult education and workforce training for the Hispanic and Latina community. We're here to help the entire Latino community, want to come take English classes, food handling classes, GED classes, to graduate, and many other classes that we offer. Anything you want. Just go online to latinoacademy.org, look it up online, and we're here in the city of Madison to serve you. Herson was impressed by the number of elected representatives at the inaugural ceremony of the festival because most of them were Hispanic and Latin.
9: I saw that many of them are Hispanic and they are Latinos. There is the
8: Mexican consulate ambassador here from
9: Milwaukee, all of that is impressive you know mexicans, a special moment for not only mexicans but all the latinos in the community they have done this for 23 years
8: i'm new here to the madison area but everything we've seen here today has been very impressive wisconsin has only one foreign consulate Ambassador Franco Huelos outlined the different documentation, legal and social services provided by the Mexican consulate located in Milwaukee.
9: Lo que hacemos es proporcionar servicios de documentación, necesidad es do es de expedición de matrículas consulares, of, que es una uh, identificación especial para los mexicanos, y eh, también pueden tramitar con nosotros su para votar México.
8: You can en also Mexico. process y your voting credentials in Mexico with us. And you can make powers of attorney.
9: Además, That's the documentation part. De In o addition, we have consular. protection
8: or consular assistance services.
9: Y ahí lo que es a and what we do there is to
8: advise our community regarding their rights and also help them si with some legal support Por último, if necessary.
9: Finally, Quiero we have community services that is helping the community desarrollo. to
8: have better development
9: And the emphasis we put is education,
8: health, so the the consulate really offers a wide range of services in accordance with the needs of our community. Many of the participants haven't traveled back to Mexico for years. Isabel is one of them. The festival gave her an opportunity to celebrate with her compatriots. The most beautiful thing for me about celebrating independence is remembering my country because I have not been in my country for many years but it always brings back beautiful memories and I'm very proud that I'm Mexican.
9: I'm happy to see so many Hispanic people, in, in to see so much acceptance here in Madison. It's something very significant. And I
8: thank the community here that is so acceptable. But while she's in Madison, local organizations have been a huge help.
9: Oh, la información que tienen disponible para la gente hispana, the por ejemplo, para la ayuda,
8: for uh, for example, aprender inglés, ayuda to help para learn los English, niños, ayudar a los padres a cómo integrarse al sistema educativo de aquí.
9: Ayuda en en los bancos a cómo obtener uh, préstamos para Helps comprar una casa, how
8: to loans uh, to buy A cómo obtener ayuda support. en
9: cualquier um, legal que tengan,
8: In any legal que hayan situation pasado, that one might
9: face, that one might uh, have
8: gone through, all estos
9: that that these organizations hispana, muy are open necesario. for se diera cuenta it is something están very necessary I would like all
8: people to realize that these resources are available. Even though the primary focus of the Biba Mexico Festival was the celebration of Mexican independence, Luis Loporto, one of the hosts of the festival, emphasized how this event was also uniting and commemorating the Independence Days of other Spanish-American countries. Before we begin, I want to acknowledge acknowledge that countries in Central and South America are also celebrating their independence this weekend and with us here. Thank you very much in advance for joining us. Wherever you are from, this is your celebration. Thank you very much for being with us. Meanwhile, September 18th marks the beginning of the independence process in Chile. That day in 1810, the City Hall of Santiago organized the first government junta of the Kingdom of Chile. The junta elected their first president, Mateo de Toro y Zambrano, Count of La Conquista, a Chilean-born leader with Spanish ancestry. It also led to the formation of the first national congress at the beginning of the independence war. At the Dieciocho Celebration at James Madison Park on Saturday, September 16th, graduate students and Chilean members of the Wisconsin community gathered to play games, compete with their best empanadas, and eat typical food that's difficult to find in U.S. stores. The UW-Madison Chilean Student Association organizes this annual event. Andrea, one of the comedy members, was in charge of taking photographs. She told us about the association services for incoming graduate students. We're always contacting each other, helping
3: If new students who arrive
8: need any information, we're always available if they pero want any si advice. Pre- but we're also very attentive to, to the new ones que, who arrive. Ejemplo, For example, now I think some Chileans have just arrived, buscar, and we try to search están, and see si where they bien, are.
3: If they're doing well,
8: how y, we can y, y take care of them.
3: them? Sometimes we get together
8: pero, pero parties, es but this is like the most important thing. Pablo, a former comedy member, reflected on the spirit of solidarity that infuses this celebration every year. It's also always nice to see new, new people arriving. I was new at the beginning, now I see how people are arriving, so obviously I try to receive them in the way they received me, which was always super good. Many participants of this celebration played with traditional toys such as the emboque and the trompo. The emboque is two wooden pieces connected by a string, one shaped like a bell, and the other a thin piece where you hold the toy. The trompo is a wooden piece in the shape of an upside-down pear and a spike on the top. You only need to wrap it a cord and release it. Tavia, one of the comedy members, told us about some of the games participants played at the celebration.
9: Today
8: we have games like Saltar el Saco, carrera, like saltar el saco carrera de Tres competencia Pies. Tirar la cuerda. We also have tenemos dibujo of War competition. We have drawing and painting uh, supplies trompo. for kids. We have trompo, everything. As for the food, a Chilean empanada is a pastry turnover filled with beef, onion, olive, and a half-boiled egg. Christopher won the best Chilean empanada competition. Christopher explained that it can be difficult to find the right ingredients in Madison stores. One wants to make it with the Chilean flavor And we're not in Chile, so that's why. The ingredients are different, even the flour, although one thinks that flour is flour everywhere. No, it's not like that. Everything is different. Many participants invited friends from other communities across the Americas. Matias, a graduate student from Argentina, reflected on the importance of building community among Hispanic and Latino people through these activities. One does not cuenta find en, much of a more en diverse community in certain eh, regions of the United States. Eh, However, I believe de, that experience counts no sé, in finding de, de these small patches of Latin communities no that you can si integrate. With. And otro, it does not matter much if it is in your country or another, it's still that those limits or borders nerve when you are in contact with con other people whose homelands are external to the United States in some way. Katie, an American recently graduated from college, recommended the Dieciocho Celebrations for anyone who hasn't experienced it.
10: Oh, I'm so excited.
7: It's such a nice uh, time to experience the Chilean culture and to eat a lot of good food and uh, spend quality time with people. If you can go to a Dieciocho Celebration, then I'd highly recommend it.
8: Karen, a graduate student from Chile, meditated on the role of international students, not just in the construction of community, but also in the cultivation of cultural awareness.
9: Entonces, un poco de eso Showing a, a little of
8: that persona, to other people is an important algo, burden and a task inter- that we as international tenemos. students have. Both celebrations emulated the ethos of José Martí, the Cuban liberator and modernista writer who envisioned Nuestra América our America, as a fraternity among the, quote, romantic nations of the continent and the sorrowful islands of the sea. Reporting for WORT News, I'm Diego Alegria.
1: The time right now is 6:20. excuse me, 6.38 p.m., and you're listening to the live local news on WORT. We turn now to two special guests in the studio, Helena and Gil, who want to tell you a little something about the WORT Fall Pledge Drive
3: yes what we, do we want to tell people well
2: we have met our match yeah i had to pull out my checkbook right make sure that we could meet it but we'd like to thank jean who called in a really generous pledge and her favorite news programs are local news mellon floyd and public affair thank you so much for your and i think
3: there's something on the back she says something about local news on the back
2: Love the local news because it's the best.
3: Aw, thank you, Jean.
2: And also, uh, Harry Richardson, one of my favorite people, called in and pledged his support for um, local news. Thanks so much, Harry. His favorite shows are Public Affair, Thursday and Friday, Monday Evening News, and Labor Radio.
3: Excellent. Thanks so much, Harry. And then we also got... A very exciting thing here. Peter from Madison is a new monthly donor. Thank you so much. Peter decided that he wants to donate money on a monthly basis. So he... he went online, he went to WORTFM.org, and he was able to fill out a form there to say that he wants to donate on a monthly basis. That really helps the station out. So you can give us a call at 608 256 2001 or go to WORTFM.org and help out this great source of local news.
2: And Peter, uh, follow Peter's example. I mean, we'd love to see more of those monthly donors show up on the. On the online um, donation forms, it's really easy to do w o r t f m dot o r g, and Peter's just shown us how easy it is. It probably yes. took him five minutes at the most. So, yes.
3: and you can call us at six zero eight two five six and. and let us know that you want to donate on a monthly basis Uh, you can go as low as $5 a month, that's the lower limit but there's no upper limit, you can donate any amount you feel you can afford and it really helps the station out and the more people who donate on a monthly (coughs) basis, we can have shorter pledge drives, we already have a pledge drive in June that only lasts for one week because one-third of people who donate to the station donate on a monthly basis.
2: Right, so join them and reduce the amount of time that Helena and I and others to come in and interrupt your programming. We'll be going back to the local news for another 20 minutes or so, so stay tuned for that. And while you're listening, you can very easily give us a quick call at 608-256-2001 or go to wrtfm.org and make a donation.
3: And if you've never donated before, now's the time to
0: donate for the first time.
1: Thank you, Gene. Thank you, Harry. And thank you, Peter. Right now, we'll head back to the news.
0: This Thursday, October 5th, is the anniversary of the Battle of Burbank during the Hollywood strike of 1945. Like today's writers and actors' strikes, much of Hollywood's production was shut down, the strike's violence and controversy helped lead to the passage of the anti-union Taft-Hartley Act and caused Hollywood players to be called before the House Un-American Activities Committee. Feature contributor Harry Richardson has the story.
1: For Joe Hill
0: and Cesar Chavez,
1: who fought in their own time For our brothers and our sisters, up and down that picket line the unnamed and unnumbered who struggle brave and long for the union men and women standing up and standing strong this
5: thursday october 5th is the anniversary of the battle of burbank also called hollywood black friday after a riot at the gates of warner brothers studios by the end 300 police and sheriff's deputies had joined in over 40 injuries were reported partly in response to this dispute the government passed the taft-hartley act in 1947 to break up worker organizations and to get the communists out of labor unions. The strike was also a turning point for Ronald Reagan, then a liberal and president of the Screen Actors Guild. The experience turned him into a conservative and set him on the path that led him to the Governor's Mansion and finally the White House. The strike started in 1945 when the screen set directors walked off the job, suspending nearly 60% of all Hollywood productions. 12,000 film workers were idled And a dozen top industry crafts joined the strike, creating Hollywood's biggest labor shutdown in nearly a decade. The cause was a bitter jurisdictional dispute between the more conservative International Alliance of Theatrical and Stage Employees (IATSE) and the new reformist Conference of Studio Unions (CSU). Then as now, IATSE was the established union that had controlled the studio system shop floor since the 20s. For much of that time, its leader was the Chicago gangster Willie Bioff. The studio heads funneled suitcases full of cash to Bioff, and he kept the workers working. In 1941, Bioff was convicted of extortion and sent to Alcatraz. Starting in 1945, IOTC's international rep, Roy Brewer, led the union to maintain their control and purge communist influence. The new union, CSU, was formed in 1941 and led by Herbert Sorel, a former boxer and a member of the Motion Pictures Painters Local 644. He had already led the Screen Cartoonist Guild in a successful strike against Walt Disney. Brewer suspected Sorrell was a communist. Sorrell made it into a joke saying he wasn't a communist, but was glad to take their money. By early October, the strike was over seven months old. At sunup, October 5, 1945, IATSE workers tried to breach the picket line at the Warner Brothers gates while hundreds of CSU workers responded by charging from their barricades. Reinforcements poured in from all sides. Various implements of war were used, including tear gas bombs, fire hoses, brass knuckles, clubs, brickbats, and beer bottles, said Variety. The Hollywood Reporter account described street fighting, tear gassing, nighting, glubbing, and upsetting cars. Warner Brothers firemen let loose two high-powered fire hoses on the strikers. After two hours, a phalanx of 300 police and deputy sheriffs finally quelled the riot. Forty people were hurt, miraculously, none seriously. Over the next few days, police charged through picketers who were hauled off to jail or the hospital. The CSU doubled down and expanded their picket to all the studios. The strike finally ended when the president of the Motion Pictures Producers of America cut a deal with the AFL and recognized the CSU. The next year, the CSU called a second strike in September deemed the bitterest strike in Hollywood history. The following year, with the Hollywood labor wars very much in the foreground, the U.S. Congress passed the taft hartley Act over Truman's veto. The legislation prohibited unions' jurisdictional strikes that disrupted Hollywood. Ominously, it also required union leaders to disavow communism or the unions would be decertified from the NLRB. Finally, in October, the House Un-American Activities Committee launched its notorious investigations of alleged communist infiltration. Both IATSEs, Roy Brewer, and Screen Actors Guild President Ronald Reagan testified as friendly witnesses to the committee. Radicals were purged from the nation's unions, and the Hollywood Blacklist was created. By 1952, CSU was defunct. In 1955, Willie Bioff was killed by a car bomb. Herb Sorrell remained a member of the Painters' Union until the day he died in 1973. And that is our story for today.
1: For The Past in the Past, I'm Harry Richardson. It's Monday night. Do you know where your government is and what it's doing? Lucky for you, it's time now for Forward Lookout with feature contributors Dylan Brogan and Brenda Conkle.
10: With us now is Brenda Conkle from ForwardLookout.com to help us look at what's happening this week in local government. Hello, Brenda. Hello, Dylan. Okay, we'll start as usual with Dane County. And at 5.30, uh, the Personnel and Finance Committee began to convene. So they're doing it right now. What's on their agenda?
11: Um, They have a couple things might be of interest. Uh, Possession of drug paraphernalia. They're dropping that ticket down to $1. I believe it might just be I'm not sure what kind of drug paraphernalia it is, but it is being dropped down to one dollar. And then um, they are also looking at uh, that or the ordinance change about employees serving as interim department heads, uh, largely, I think, because of the Department of Human Services uh, controversy that we had earlier in the year, but also um, former sheriff Dave Mahoney. So those two, I think, may be of of interest to folks, a little more controversial. They also have other things on there like uh, various grants for seatbelt enforcement, impaired driver enforcement, um, and speeding, as well as some of the the design things for County Highway M, which is much to some people's delight uh, being reconfigured right now. And then also they have some employee handbook uh, work that they're doing as well. And then they will be also looking at increasing funding for the Madison public market.
10: Tuesday at 5.30, the Public Protection and Judiciary Committee is meeting and kind of looks like an important one, a budget meeting.
11: Yes, it is budget uh, time. This is the first week that we were seeing various departments give their presentations. So Public Protection and Judiciary will be hearing from District Attorney, Sheriff's Office, Juvenile Court, Emergency Management, Family Court Services, Pretrial Services, Medical Examiner, Public Safety Communications, Clerk of Courts, Office of Justice Reform, and Corporation Counsel. So they're getting their initial presentations. This year, some of the presentations are in writing, so you may want to check out some of the links because you can actually see the information prior to going to the meeting.
10: Very nice. All right. Well, we're on a tight schedule today, so let's just jump right to the county board meeting on Thursday at 7 p.m.
11: So, again, the drug paraphernalia ordinance, as well as the interim department heads is up there, as well as they'll be looking at um, tax deed uh, lands and selling them to municipalities. Um, I think the hope there is for affordable housing projects. Um, And they're also purchasing some property at 3124 Hope Hollow Trail in the town of Cottage Grove. And then they got those employee handbook uh, on there as well as those grants that I just mentioned.
10: Let's move now to the city of Madison. And, yeah, there's some interesting stuff coming up, including um, the Common Council and its executive committee. They're meeting virtually and in person uh, on Tuesday night.
11: Yeah. The Common Council is uh, the Common Council Executive Committee is going to be looking at seven elements of a great city and at their performance excellence project. Um, So looking at how the various departments are doing and how to measure their success. Um, And then they'll also be looking at the social media policy for elders.
10: Seven things that make for a good city. Hmm. Me and you could do this pretty quick, I feel like.
11: (laughs) We could. I don't know if everybody else would agree with us. (laughs)
10: <laughs> like good schools, affordable housing, exactly, decent services,
11: and good transportation.
10: Yeah, no no crime. That's, it gets tricky after that, doesn't it?
11: It does a little bit.
10: <laughs> While we have you, Brenda, why don't we talk about uh, the Public Market Development Committee, which is meeting on Thursday at 5 p.m., Kind of a lot happening with that.
11: Yeah. So they'll be um, looking at just, I think they have just one item on their agenda, and that is um, amending the capital budget um, to get more funds from the Economic Development Division. Um, And the county is also considering giving additional funds to the public market. So obviously they're going to vote for it and say yes, but um, I'm sure they have to look at some of the the details of that.
10: Because the price tag keeps going up. It does brenda thank you for joining us this week and for always supporting wort it's pledge week and we just appreciate great volunteers like you
11: thank you
0: today feature contributor harry richardson reviews two new movies on the big screen Dumb Money is a fun film based on the Game stock, GameStop stock surge of 2021. That is a tongue twister. And the creator is the latest AI versus people sci-fi battle movie. It is visually stunning and, Harry says, meant to be seen on a big screen.
9: Wall Street is betting that this company is going to fail. And if it fails,
11: these hedge fund make money.
5: And that was good from the trailer for Dumb Money, directed by Greg Gillespie. This is a fun based-on-a-true-story film, a David and Goliath tale, to use the obvious analogy, about small-time investors who take on uber-billionaire investors. It's based on the book The Anti-Social Network by Ben Mesrich. The book and the movie are about the GameStop stock craze of 2021. GameStop is a video game chain usually located in malls. Our main protagonist and hero is Keith Gill, Paul Dano a.k.a. YouTuber Roaring Kitty, an amateur investor who has his own investment advice program on Reddit. He's already invested 53000 into GameStop. He thinks it's undervalued. He convinces his followers to invest. Soon, to his shock and to everyone else's, the stock is going through the roof. Enter the big boys, hedge fund managers played by Vincent D. Borio, Nick Offerman, and playing it straight, Seth Rogen. They have their own plan for GameStop to do a short sale. Which happens when a fund borrows shares, sells them low, and then rebuys them when they are even lower. As explained by Mary Sue's Jessica Mason, you have to pay to borrow those stocks, of course, but if you borrow it for five dollars, sell it for ten dollars, and then buy it back at a dollar, you net five dollars, even though the stock has lost value. It's a bet that the stock will fail. Keith, of course, doesn't know what the hedge fund guys are up to. He just likes the stock. Part of the movie's appeal is that we dip into the lives of some of his fellow investors, a nurse and single mom, America Ferrara, two undergrad lovers, Talia Ryder and Mahalia Herald, and a GameStop worker, Anthony Ramos, suffering under a petty boss. Shailene Woodley does a good job as Gill's supportive spouse. Peter Davidson plays Gill's brother. Rebecca Angelo and Lauren Shucker Bloom have given us a fast-paced script to go with a fine ensemble cast. A fun film worth seeing, mostly for the fine cast and it's based on a true story script. It just started playing in Madison theaters. Up next, a new sci-fi movie that you should really see on the big screen because it's just more fun that way.
3: This is a fight for our very existence.
5: Sergeant Taylor, we are this close to winning the war. That was lit from the show for a fun new science fiction movie, the latest People vs. AI, The Creator." co-written and directed by Gareth Edwards. His co-writer is Chris Wheats. This is a lively action post-apocalyptic movie set a few years after the AI set off an A-bomb and destroyed Los Angeles. Most of the action takes place in 2070. The Americans have taken the offensive with a weaponized flying platform, but they have heard that the AI, now living in New Asia, have created their own ultimate weapon. The U.S. has banned artificial intelligence. New Asia is either a sovereign nation or a NATO-like alliance where artificial beings have full citizenship. Our story centers on an ex-special ops soldier, Joshua John David Washington, who still has nightmares about his last mission. He has a cybernetic arm and leg. The military are after him to remember the site of a lab where the AI weapon was planned. His original mission was to shut down the project. He went behind enemy lines and married Maya Gemma Chan under deep cover. His mission is compromised by a botched raid that separates him from Maya, who is apparently killed trying to escape. He is called back into service on the flawed theory that he might remember where the base is once he's on the ground. He's not interested until a picture of Maya is flashed by him as one of the project's main scientists. The special ops head promises to get her out if he goes along. The special ops team and Joshua are dropped deep behind enemy lines to find the ultimate weapon. Who turns out to be a slight spoiler? Alfie, a seven year old new fine actor. Madeline Una Voles, a fun new sci fi movie with fine cinematography, a good cast, but a convoluted storyline. Worth seeing on the big screen for the action and the interaction between Washington and Voles. For WRT's Monday Movie Review, I'm Harry Richardson.
1: Would you look at that? We've come to nearly, well, we've nearly come to the end of another hour of handcrafted local news here on WORT. Our guests this evening, Helena and Gil, have one last word this evening and hopefully some people to thank.
2: What's the news, Helena and Gil? Well, we did thank folks the last break that we had. We have not had any new callers um, and funding folks call us in. But we'd like to renew our thanks to those who called in. It was so Absolutely. nice to hear from them. And we've got another five minutes here for folks to go to the phone, 608-256-2001 or online at wortfm.org. And while the news is handcrafted, it still needs money to keep those hands working and crafting it. Absolutely,
3: <laughs> it does. So thank you so much, Gene, Harry, Peter and Gil, thank you to you for matching donations up to $60, and that all got used up. So, And Peter, thank you so much for going to the wortfm.org website and signing up to donate on a monthly basis. That really helps us out. And I just wanted to say that I know that it, you you can easily become f- feeling depressed or um, discouraged by the state of the world, the war in Ukraine, the loss of abortion rights and trouble with human rights around the world, and you might think to yourself, what can I do? What can I do to help the, in the world? Well, what you can do is give us a call at 608-256-2001 or go to wortfm.org, and making a donation to this great radio station will be something very positive you can do to help make a better world that you might want to see for yourself and your children or your grandchildren or your friends, family. Don't you agree, Gil? I
2: do. Right. I, I think that's a great way to look at it It, it because of the way it's going to make things better is going to keep this station on the air. It's going to keep the, the information that you've just been listening to for the last two hours here uh, for uh, the local news and Democracy Now! is going to keep coming your way and informing you and all the music that that really soothes your soul and inspires you so that that's a way to make the world better so give us a call now at 608-256-2001
0: keep those calls coming at 608-256-2001 and keep those web donations coming too at wortfm.org slash donate thank you for supporting the wort live local news at 6 p.m your headline writer was nate carlin your reporter was charlie beloski Special thanks to featured contributors Diego Allegria, Brenda Conkle, Dylan Brogan, Harry Richardson, and Nicholas Lee for technical production. Engineer Dave Lawrenson got the news on the air. Faye Parks produced this newscast. And Shally Pittman is the news director at WORT. I'm your host, Rachel Fields.
1: And I'm your host, Sam Swartz. Up next is the most free-form show on your radio dial, The Access Hour, coming up after these announcements. Don't hate, donate, and whatever you do, have a great night.